passage, verse 12 through 23. We're going to look at, uh, as I said this morning, um, the death of Moses, not necessarily his death, but God telling him it was coming. And, uh, and we're going to end on this for the life of Moses. We'll be doing something different next week. I don't know if we're going to have a series or just be preaching on Sunday nights. We'll see. But um, I want to look at this as uh, death is foretold and a godly response from Moses. Uh, I find his, his response interesting, challenging, and, uh, and I want to make some applications from that tonight. Uh, but verse 12 is where we're going to start in Numbers chapter 27, verse 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee up into the mount Abram, and see the land which I have given unto the children of Israel. When thou hast seen it, thou also shalt be gathered unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother was gathered. For ye rebelled against my commandment in the desert of Zin, in the strife of the congregation, to sanctify me at the water before their eyes, that is, the water of Mirbah in Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin. We looked at that a few weeks ago, where he was frustrated and he struck it with the rod instead of speaking to it as God had commanded. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, uh, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before him, or before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word shall they go out. And at his word they shall come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. And the Lord did as, and Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and he laid his hands upon him, and gave him a charge as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. I, I find this an interesting passage. As I was reading this, it just struck me. That as Moses is given his, his uh, last moments on earth. This is what's going to happen. And uh, I, was, I was not surprised, I was challenged by Moses' response. I see, I see a real compassion uh, for the things of the Lord and for the people of the Lord in Moses' response. So let's have a word of prayer. And uh, I don't think I'll keep you long tonight, famous last words, um, but I want to see a few things. Father, Thank you for loving us tonight. Thank you, Lord, for time again to get into your word. And Lord, as we've looked at Moses, Father, help us to have the meekness of Moses. Lord, to have the compassion that Moses had uh, and that we know only came from your spirit. Lord, as he led your people, you used him mightily. And Father, challenged by him, I ask that you would guide tonight, that this message would speak to each one, that your word would be free uh, to challenge each heart and to draw us closer to yourself. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So we see in the first three verses, 12 through 14, that Moses is to prepare for death. God says, your time has come. 
Get thee up into the land of, or into this Mount Abram, and see the land which I have given unto the children of Israel. Now we we read back in I believe it was 16 or 17 where he struck the rock. God said, "You are not going into the land because of this sin." And we looked at how, uh, from a human standpoint, his frustration was was uh, maybe we could justify it in our mind, but that he disobeyed God. God punished. And, and you might say severely. He took it very, very seriously. This thing that Moses has been looking forward to, this entire journey is taken away from him. And the Lord said, you're going to see it. And when you've seen it, you're going to be gathered unto thy people as Aaron thy brother was gathered. Well, you read just back a little ways, Aaron his brother had died. And so he's going to be, he's going to be dying on the top of this mountain. And he tells him why again. He gives him the reason. And I was looking at it, and I was just meditating on this a little bit, thinking on Moses' response and Moses's. how would I respond? How would I respond to this? What would be my response to this verdict, basically? And I wonder if there wouldn't be some complaints. But Lord... I was frustrated that day. You, you see all the things that were going on. The people had come against me, and I, and I was frustrated that day, and we start to make some excuse for ourselves. I, I hit the rock. It wasn't that I didn't, didn't go to the rock at all. It wasn't that I didn't pro- try and, and provide through you to the people. I, I, I somewhat obeyed. <laughs> and these are the things that, that our mind will start doing when we face the punishment for our sin. But, 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 start making excuses and and some complaints. I see no complaints, you see no questions, and you see no selfishness in Moses' answer here. It's amazing to me, God says, you're going to go up, you're going to get to see the land, at least you got to see it. That was a blessing from God. And you're going to die there. And Moses didn't try and ask for a little bit more. But Lord, can I just spend one month? Can I just go for a minute or two? Would you give me an allowance of a day to go and see the land? To walk in the promised land that I've been waiting these 40 years for? I thought about it, and, and his response is amazing to me. And I want to be this way towards the Lord. I, I was preaching this morning about never saying no to God. And, and in that, we never complain and we never question Him. Moses' response is what I wanted to spend the time on tonight. We don't see any question, no selfishness. Moses speaks unto the Lord, and his concern is for the people of Israel. He said, Lord, I've been their leader now. He didn't say this, but this is what's going on. I've been their leader now for over 40 years. Who's going to lead these people? Who is going to direct them? And he's concerned... For them, he's not concerned for himself at all. I'm challenged by that. Can I see that in my own life every time something comes along? Well, okay, maybe this is going to cost me, but how is it going to affect the people around me? As Christians, we're to have the mind of Christ. And I, I want to go to some familiar passages. This, was, this is the mind of Christ, I believe. As he looked in, he asked God, well, who's going to lead these people that are yours? Uh, Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at some familiar passages tonight, just a couple. Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 5. 
so many passages in the scripture we know we've read them over and over and over and uh, and sometimes it's that we just breeze over it and we don't think about it other times uh, we just we intend to follow these things and we fail in it verse 1 says if there be any consolation in Christ if any comfort of love if any fellowship of the spirit if any bowels of mercy Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That is, speaking to the church of Philippi, this is what we are to be as a church, one accord and of one mind. Together, not bickering between us, not having bitterness or strife. He says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. And he tells us how. There will be no strife or vainglory if I follow the second part of this verse. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Dramatic pause. <laughs> We're talking about it in Sunday school. I wonder sometimes what exactly that entails. Do we grasp the magnitude of that? That I esteem the things of everyone else more important than the things of my own. My desires, my comfort, everything. It matters more that everybody else's needs are met than mine. I'm going, if I do this, if every one of us do this, there will be no strife, no vainglory, no, no discord among the church. Let not every man on his, look on his own... Th- Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Then he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Being of one accord and one mind in verse 2. And then he tells us what it is in verse 5. It's the mind of Christ. The man that, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. It was not e- robbery. He is fully God. Came and took on him the form of man and humbled himself. Fully man, fully God. He was, he was willing to do this because he was not looking on the things of himself, but on the things of others. Moses, when God said, you're going to go up on the mountain and die, his concern was the things of others. He didn't stop and say, but it's not fair. Why don't I get to go? Those people down there are the reason I'm dying up here. They drove me to it. They're, they're stiff-necked, stubbornness and their rebellion and their whining and their complaining is the reason I got mad and hit that rock. He could have said that. He'd have been wrong. He rebelled against God. But in our human mind, we think that way. And, and that's, that is the fleshly response. Moses stopped and said, no, those ones that have complained and, and murmured and been in the wilderness for 40 years because of their father's sin, who's going to lead them? I'm concerned about the needs of the people of Israel. He looked not on his own things, but on the things of others. John, John chapter 15, verse 12. Simple verse. We'll read verse 13 too. This is my commandment. 
Jesus Christ is speaking here, a direct commandment from God, that you love one another. And then he gives us the measure of that love, as I have loved you. I was talking to the kids the other day about God's re- Jesus' response to those who persecuted him. We were talking about how we should always turn the other cheek and not respond in anger. And I was talking about the men plucking Jesus' beard and what that must have felt like. I've had a few beard hairs pulled out. The other day I was zipping one of the twins' coats. So I was down on my knee, on one knee, and I was leaned over zipping the coat. And I had a jacket on, but I was bent over. I believe it was Zach. He goes, and he zipped my zipper up on my jacket right into my beard. And it just grabbed a big old chunk of it and yanked it down. (laughs) What in the world do you do that for? I felt like I had a patch missing in the middle of my chin. It hurt. And I was reminded of that. I thought, what must it have been like to have that full beard just ripped out of his face? I promise you, in my experience of having hair pulled out of my head which isn't vast, but a little bit, it hurts worse to have your beard pulled than it does the hair out of the top of your head. This part right in here is pretty tender. And yet, he says, love one another as I loved you. As he was willing to lay his life down on the cross and take my sin, gladly, the Bible says, that is my example of how I'm to love others. So no matter what they do to me then. Right? The Bible says, uh, I love thy, oh how I love thy law. Uh, help me, help me quote that verse. Uh, being not offended. It's in, in Psalms. What's that? Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. What a great verse. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If I have the mind of Christ, offenses will come. What? The Bible says that. We're promised those things. We know that we're going to get on each other's nerves. We know that we're going to aggravate each other. But if I have the mind of Christ, pluck my beard. Take away all that I have. Persecute me, and I am to love you. That's the command. Greater love, verse 13, hath no no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. (laughs) I command you, love one another as I love you. You're my friend, if you do what I command you. We're not given an option. We will have offenses come, but being offended is different. Being angry or not loving that individual is different. Then when they attack us, we have the mind of Christ and say, I love you anyway. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to take this thing before the throne of grace, whatever the offense is, and I'm going to give it to Him, and I'm going to pray for you, because I love you. This is a commandment given by God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3.
verse 12, 1 Thessalonians 3, 12. The Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Now you read verse uh, John 15, 12. I command you to love one another as I love you. And I know that in my flesh I will fail in that. Because my flesh is going to retaliate. I want to answer in kind. You, you take something from me, I want to get it back. This says the Lord is going to make you increase and abound in love. It has to be by His grace, by His word, in my life. Great peace have they that love thy law. The word of God. You love the word of God, and nothing shall offend you. Nothing's going to take your mind off of Christ. Nothing's going to change your worldview, your philosophy, your compassion on the lost if you have a love for the Lord and a love for His Word. The Lord is going to make you increase and abound in this. The more we walk with Him, the more we should love one another. The more we should, we should crave that fellowship with, the Christ, with other Christians, with fellow believers. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 22 says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Seeing that you've purified your souls and obeying the truth. Knowing that you know the Lord is your Savior. If you walk with Him, then you are to love one another fervently. Fervently. It's easy enough to say, I love that person, and, and I can take some, some uh, offenses from them. They can, they can abuse me a little bit, and I can, I can handle it. It's another thing to say, I fervently love them fervently spend some time in prayer for that person entreating the throne of grace on their behalf seeking out their needs getting to know that person so that you can help them that's loving someone fervently I can't love someone fervently that I know nothing about I can have a compassion for them I can, I can even pray for them Lord guide them in their life but to say that I love them fervently i got to get to know them we, that's why the Bible says we're to confess our faults one to another and pray for one another. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When I, when I get to know you, I spend some time in your life, then I can love you fervently. And then I can have some, some input into your life and some influence and, and edify you and lift you up. You can do the same for me. When we love one another fervently, we show how much we care by how much time we, we spend together. It was great to be with my family for a while. I told Lee Guffey, I'm pretty sure that mom and dad wouldn't say this, but they probably went, 
when we left the other day. But we love spending time together. It's great to be there because we care about one another and we've, we uh, are invested in one another. As a church, we have to be invested in one another to be of one mind, to be of one accord. There's got to be that, that bond that is unbreakable. And it comes from a mind of Christ. It comes from having compassion. When, when Moses is told, you're going to die, go up on the mountain and, and look from the top and look out into the promised land. I'm gathering you under the people like I did your brother Aaron. You're going to die. Moses said, yes, but, but what about the folks down here? What about them? This is where my focus is. This is where my compassion is. This is, this is my passion, is that they are following God and that someone is leading them correctly. Philippians chapter 2 <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 Continuing on farther than well let's go ahead and read the old passage we stopped in verse 6 let's go, pick up in 7 We'll read this, this entire passage, or at least down to verse 13. It says, verse 7, But made himself of no reputation, speaking of Christ again, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We know that day is coming. It's going to be an amazing day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Those that have denied Him for all this time are going to humble themselves before Him. It will be too late for many, but every knee shall bow, the Bible said. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. That's, that's a powerful little verse. For it is God which worketh in you. It's, he is able again. He's the one that's dictating in all these things. Romans chapter 8, where the Holy Spirit makes entreaty for us, prays for things we're not aware of, that God would direct and lead in our life, that we would be directed into the will of God. And then verse 8 says, or verse, I believe it's 28, For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. It is God that is working in your life, no matter what. The funeral that I went to and the pastor stood up, and I had probably told this story a couple times already, but the, the speaker, I, he was not speaking for God. He stood up and said, I want you to know one thing about this, this little girl dying. God did not want this to happen. I was just flabbergasted. I was standing there, slack-jawed. God is not sovereign? We have a free will to choose Him or reject Him, but He leads in all things. He had a reason that she was in that casket, and it was His perfect will. Now, it doesn't mean that it wasn't a painful thing for this family, and sorrowing is okay, and it's right. 
But we don't doubt God leading in that situation. Every time, every moment of our life, God is directing in the things that are happening. It is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So can I just trust Him? If I do, then I go to the mountain and I say, Yes, Lord, this is where my journey ends. I don't get to go into Canaan like the rest of the people do. But your will is perfect, and I understand my sin is to to blame. I'm responsible for what is happening in my life, and I accept it because you do all things well. And that's what Moses did. I don't think he regretted it for a second. I know he didn't. Because as soon as he was gathered unto his people, he's in the presence of God. Canaan, this earthly paradise that they were waiting for, didn't matter at all anymore compared to where he was at. So can we just live our lives? It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Accept God's will as right in the things that are coming in our life, not complaining, not murmuring, not making excuses, not trying to justify ourselves, but always say, yes, Lord, you are right. You've done this in my life for a reason, and I'm going to thank you for it. I'm going to praise you for it. Philippians chapter 4, verse, six, verse 8 says, uh, after verse 7 says, And the peace of God, shall pass, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says that we're to think on the, the things of God. I can't quote eight, I won't try, but it's talking about all the things that are lovely and pure, and those things that are of God. Those things that I never think of, if I'm complaining, murmuring, if I think that it's unfair what's happened in my life. My dad and I were talking about it. One thing I want to get rid of, I don't want it in my family. I would love to see it just gone in our society. But it certainly should be gone in the lives of Christians. And that is entitlement. We're not entitled to anything. Moses, in his flesh, could have said, Lord, I led them faithfully through all this time. I stood up for them. I, I offered to take their place and die for them. And yet, I don't get, it, get to go into the land. I don't get to finish this course with them. He could have said, I deserve something. But he knew that he didn't. He didn't have a sense of entitlement. And so many of us do. And I'm talking about myself. I feel like I'm entitled to things. As Americans, we have these liberties. These, this bill of rights. And I praise the Lord for it. Please don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to give up our Second Amendment. I don't want to give up our First Amendment. The Fifth Amendment. Any of them, really. Let's keep our freedoms here. But let's not have this thing that I'm owed those things. You're not, and neither am I. If God takes them all away from us, can I say it is Him that is leading and guiding in my life? Can I sing in prison? Can I praise the Lord in prison and lift up His name when all things are taken away from me? What is it Job said when he, when he heard all the bad news? Uh, naked came I into this world, and naked I'm going to leave. Praise the Lord. <laughs> he said, let's just glorify God. 
Do all, uh, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He is leading and he is always, always right. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for our time tonight. Lord, it, it is an easy thing to say that I know you are right. It's an easy thing to say that I will follow you and trust you. It is entirely different to live that life moment by moment, day by day. Father, we need your spirit. We need your strength and your guidance. Lord, put in each one of us a, a renewed love for your word, a renewed desire to know you and to follow you. And Lord, use us this week. Just praise you for your presence. Praise you for the promises in your word that you will never leave us nor forsake us and that you never fail. In Christ's name we pray, amen.